I invite you to turn your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We uh, are doing that reading through the New Testament. We're in the book of 2 Corinthians now. Uh, we read this particular chapter uh, just uh, on Friday, I believe it was. Um, so we are uh, into the 2 Corinthians. But first in 2 Corinthians, Paul plays around with the, uh, the, the body metaphor, calls Christ the mind and the body follows what Christ says to do. Um, in the midst of that, he, he plays with both the, uh, the corporate sense, um, and by corporate I mean the group, not uh, business, but, but the, the group sense that uh, um, we are called to be one uh, body together, but also individually, he plays with that metaphor to understand that individually we all have a part to play and a place to be with it within it. And so uh, today I'm going to focus more on the individual part uh, um, than, than the whole. And uh, yet uh, without this individual part, um, with this particular individual understanding, um, we might struggle to be a part of the whole body. So here it is. Uh, we're in uh, First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians 5. Uh, I'm going to begin at verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was about uh, going on six and a half years ago that my wife and uh, my one daughter uh, found my mother-in-law on the floor of her house in a bad way. She went to the hospital for a while and then uh, uh, we recognized that, that Pat was in a position that she could no longer live on her own. And so we moved her in with us down in Jackson, Missouri, where we lived at the time. And she lived with us about three years and her health declined to the point, and, and Alzheimer's declined to the point that we could no longer care for her. And, and so we put her in a nursing home, which was really just right around the corner from the house. And there she was for about three more years until we moved up here. And about five months ago or so, uh, my wife's going to correct me in all these details after the sermon. About five months ago, we moved her up here uh, to be in a nursing home up, uh, up off of Highway 40. Over the last couple of weeks, the decline was rapid. And Thursday night, uh, uh, we were at the nursing home. Um, I, we were in separate vehicles, and I, I left um, uh, after, uh, before Nancy did. But I recognize in my mother-in-law what I have seen time and again 
Um, as I've visited in nursing homes and visited in hospitals, um, there's, a, there's something of a look that people have when you know they are near the end. Um, there's a posture about them. And, and I recognize that. I didn't say anything, but I recognize that as I left. And Nancy also had that intuition about her as, as she left um, Thursday night and turned to look at her mom. And thought to herself, this is the last time I'll see her alive. She came on home and, and Thursday night about 1030, the phone rings and it's the nursing home. And Nancy grabbed my hand and uh, she answered it and she's, they, they had a question about her CPAP. And we're like, don't do that to us. But at 520 in the morning when they called, they called to tell us that Pat had passed. Some of you have had that experience of a loved one who has passed, uh, one that close, a parent. My dad died eight years ago, and there's still a tender spot in me when I think about it. And some of you have lost loved ones through uh, uh, sudden tragedy and some through that lingering, awful thing that is dementia, Alzheimer's. But as you do, as you, as you lose a loved one, what happens is what happened to us Friday morning, beginning Friday morning, Nancy and I went to the nursing home and to wait on the, uh, the um, uh, funeral home to come pick up Pat's body. And Nancy's sister and her husband joined us there. And uh, we began to tell stories. Don't you do that? When a loved one is passed, you can't help but tell the stories. And uh, we've been hearing those stories. Pat uh, lived in St. Louis her, her whole life, except for the three years down in Jackson with us. Uh, six years, excuse me, down in Jackson. Um, but she lived in St. Louis. She, she grew up, went to Roosevelt High School, was homecoming queen. She, I mean, this is, you know, Pat, and, and she did live in Vegas for a while as, as well, but she's a St. Louisan. And so we're hearing from people that knew her in St. Louis, and it's, it's just precious as those stories begin to be told. But I couldn't help but think, my own mother's living, she's in her 80s, and I couldn't help but think, what are the stories we would be telling, or will be, when that time comes? My dad always had these short little phrases that he would say all the time, and I repeat those all the time in sermons, whether you know it or not. Sometimes I confess it. Sometimes it just channeled dad, and uh, you do that too. You know how you say, oh my gosh, I've become my parents. Um, and uh, my mom had phrases, but not as common, not as regular, um, uh, not like dad had. But there was one that mom would say over and over again, and I was reminded of it when I read this passage of the Bible. It was, it was, it was one that mom just said all the time, and that she would say, I was just beside myself. Any of you know that one? Any of you, have you heard that one? Have you said that one? Um, so, okay, I think it is for a little bit older generation because the last service, everybody's like, yep. Either their parent or, I, I don't know, it, it might be a, a, a Missouri thing. I, I don't know. But mom used to say, I'm beside myself. She'd say it all the time. And mom would say it about something that she was happy or sad, 
or mad or glad. It didn't matter what the emotion was. Mom would say that. I was just beside myself. So I, I, I thought, yeah, I, I need to look that up and see what that means. And I always like to look up, you know, what's the history of that phrase? And, and I couldn't find that. I couldn't find the, the, the etymology of that phrase, where it came from. But I, I could find a definition for it. And that is an overwhelming sense of emotion, an overwhelming feeling or emotion. So it would be accurate whether you're overwhelmingly happy or sad or mad or glad. It would be appropriate to say, I was beside myself. And so I was reminded of that as I, as I, I read that passage today that begins with, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right minds, it is for you. So Paul was confessing that when it comes to his relationship with God through Jesus Christ, there is a deep emotionalism that is there. That emotional connection is there. And maybe sometimes that emotional relationship he has with God comes out in ways that make you seem beside yourself, overblown, over the top. But then Paul also says, you know what, though? I'm going to take that emotional feeling and I'm going to share it with you in rational ways. I think that's what that passage means. I'm going to share it with you in rational ways, ways that you can relate to. I'm going to be in my right mind when it comes to sharing with you what that love of God is. But I'll appear to be out of my mind or beside myself when I share those things about who God is to me. When, when, when I remember at the earliest age hearing my mom say that, beside myself, I remember, I remember thinking, you know, at a young age, you're a concrete thinker, and I remember thinking, how can mom be beside herself? How does that work? How can you be beside yourself? Does that mean there's two me's? That would be a good thing. I mean, after all, the passage in, in chapter seven, verse 17 says this. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. How about that? There's a new me. Here's the old me. Here's the new me. I like that. The old me, the new me. There's two of me. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Hold your thoughts. God cloned me. I can, there can be two of me. And I needed a second one of me. I needed a new me. Not that I ever want to part with the old me. Because let's face it, the new me is, is the one that I, that I pull out on Sunday, right? And, and uh, I pull out the new me, shiny and happy and, and, and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, I'm all about that. That's the new me. That, yes, that's good. That's Sunday. Monday, you know, let's face it, the old me is more fit for the world than the new me. The old me is that, that ugly, angry, difficult to get along with self. The world wasn't designed for the new me. That old me is nasty and prepared to take on the world. It's the old me that I pull out when I, when I go to work or go to the classroom or, or, or go to traffic or go to Walmart or whatever it is, to family reunions. I need that old me then. I need the old me to fight those fights. The old me is good with a comeback and can get as nasty as my cousins or sisters or brothers. The old me engages in political debates and I win them all. 
The old me can get down in the mud with others. The old me needs to be around in the world. And I thank you, Jesus, for the new me. But I'm going to hang out with the old ugly guy. Sometimes, too. See, I like to be beside myself. New me. But hang on to the old me. You know, there's a danger in, in reading scripture, and we do it all the time. We uh, fail to read the whole thing. And verse 17 isn't over with a new creation. It says, everything old has passed away. Everything has become new. It's not suggesting that there can be an old me with the new me. It said everything old is gone. When we accept Christ as our Savior, it's, it's uh, the, the image for, for uh, baptism, especially for adult baptism, is the image is that you go down into that watery grave. The old self is buried. You raise up the new self in Christ. The old has passed away. The new has come. The old is dead and gone. The problem is for us, though, is that, that, that we are grave robbers. We return to the grave all the time to dig up the old self when we think we need it. In John 3, 3, Jesus says this, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. That's one translation. You might be familiar with another one, without being born again. The, the Greek word that's used there, that when John writes the letter, he uses a Greek word that can be born again, born above, from above, born anew. They all three are correct. So there's a problem in translation. But maybe knowing all three helps us to understand that in its fullness. That, that the goal, the, the, the point is that when we are in Christ, there is this new creation. We are born new. It is a spiritual rebirth. And every time we think that God has finally finished transforming us, we dig up that old self, don't we? And go back to it. Like we're tethered to it by some invisible umbilical cord. We let the old self die for a time until we feel like we need it again. And then we hauled onto it so tight, pull it back up out of the grave. And I think there are, are uh, there's probably multiple types, but there's three types of old self that I want to help you identify with today and think about uh, in, your, in your own life, what it might be to, uh, to allow that part of your old self to die, to go away, to be gone forever, so that the newness of self can live according to what God has for you. So one of those types is the old habits and attitudes. Old habits and attitudes. Any, any of you guilty of saying this? Probably don't raise your hand. Any of you guilty of saying this um, or knowing others that said this? Well, that's just who I am. Yeah, but that's ugly. How about the new you? Pull that out instead. You see, we just think that there are these habits and attitudes of life that we have to hold on to. It's just the way I was raised, the person I, I've always been. Well, the always been is the part that's supposed to die so that the new part can come out, so that the newness that God is creating can come forward. God can change you, but you have to be willing to let the old self die. Another I want to talk about is sinful addictions. 
And many of us have addictions in our life. It may be alcohol, it may be porn, it may be drugs, it may be adultery, it may be lying or, or thieving. It, um, it, it may be just, it's just addictive habits that we return to time and time again. And some of those we can get over on our own with, with God in our lives. Others of those need a friend or a counselor or a therapist and therapies that may be a lifetime of treatment. We can get past those addictions. But again, we hold on because they give us some sort of, of pleasure that may just last a moment. And even though we know that that pleasure hurts ourselves and hurts others, we return to it, don't we? The third kind of umbilical cord, if you will, Maybe the toughest of all, it's, it's, it's very hard to get past because it is our past, is the umbilical cord of an unwanted past. The unwanted past is something uh, that our, our, our sinful life, something from our, 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 the things that we said, the things that we did, or the things that we failed to say, and the things that we failed to do, that we're ashamed of. Or worse yet, the things that were done to us or the times that we experienced apathy from others. I've heard it said before that, that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. Oh, it's just the absence of love, the absence of someone who cares. And that hurts deeply. It injures us in a deep way. And so we hold on to that past, even though we don't want it. We grasp onto it, and it becomes part of that yeah, but part of our life. We can't look into a future because yeah, but the past. And God wants to bury that past for us. God wants to put that Past in the grave so that we can have newness of life. I just love the idea, the, the, the thought that, you know, the God who created the universe, suppose that God can recreate you? I think it's possible. The same God who created the universe, who raised Christ from the dead, can recreate you to cause in you to be a new creation. The good news is that, that we don't have to go it alone. We aren't supposed to live our journey by ourselves. We have the promise of Christ to be in it with us. Not that we are beside ourselves and we keep the old self around, but we are the new creation and the one that is beside us is Christ walking the journey with us. And so whether it is the, the old habits or attitudes that, that infect our lives that, that, that we can't seem to put to death or, or the sinful addictions that, that we can't seem to walk away from or the unwanted past that we never can get rid of. But we don't have to live into. God can cut that umbilical cord. It's not near as easy. No one's saying this is easy. But the same power that created the universe wants to recreate you, to cause in you a new creation. That's the truth. That's who God is. 
We have a God of newness of life that wants to regenerate who you are to cause you to be something new. But we have to let go of the past self. We have to allow the old self to die so we can live as a new creation. Amen and amen.